Welcome to the Association 4.0 podcast. I'm Sherry Budziak, CEO and founder of Source. Association 4.0 is how we describe the skills needed to navigate Industry 4.0 or the digital marketplace. Today, we have the honor of talking with Ken Slaw. Ken is the Executive Director for the Society for Vascular Surgery. I'm here to talk to Ken about how he has implemented some new programs and services that he created during the pandemic and gained some insights on his views on the future of associations. So thanks for joining me today, Ken. Thank you, Sherry. It's wonderful to be here. Happy to do this with you. Terrific. Thanks so much. Um, so, you know, Ken, the pandemic was a challenge, obviously, for all of us, um, but it also pushed associations to think differently. And I'm interested in hearing how you led the organization through these challenging times and specifically what new programs or services that um, you created. Well, I think you're absolutely right that, uh, you know, all of us have been through something that we have never really been through before, and hopefully we will not have to go through again. Um, from a leadership perspective, I, I think the most important thing is, you know, when the pandemic hit, uh, we brought everything to a stop to just listen, to listen to our members, figure out what was going on, try to base action on fact as much as we could gather it rather than, you know, emotion or to get caught up in the urgency of the situation. So, you know, in the first two or three months of the pandemic, um, really reaching out and just listening to what the needs are was really important. Secondly, um, you know, like a lot of organizations, we streamlined and we determined what's really most important to the core of the mission going forward. And we focused intently on what was most important. And then we increased the frequency of our governance meetings. You know, so we stopped and we listened. And once we learned, then we had more frequent conversations with our leadership about the directions that we need to go. And the last point I would make about the leadership perspective of this is it was a, a very big priority for me to hold on to our staff. Um, so I put a lot of energy into making sure the staff was okay, that we had the resources to hold on to everybody because I felt strategically once we come out of the pandemic, we're gonna really need to hit the gas. And if we don't have the staff, it's going to be a struggle to get started again. So thankfully, we were able to hold on to every single staff position uh, that we had. Um, two things I would just uh, comment on with regard to the question about new programs or services. So, you know, communications <laughs> really came really came into the forefront. And so we uh, created the concept of doing town hall meetings uh, with our members to create an open forum uh, between our members and our leadership about what was going on uh, on the ground um, and for them to ask questions of, of the leadership. And then I would say our, our social media utilization um, 
you know, increased tenfold. Um, and wow. we, really, we really had to increase our investment in understanding the strategy and infrastructure behind how to leverage social media effectively uh, to communicate and get messages out. And of course, as every association experienced, you know, the impact on education was profound. So uh, we had to pivot our annual meeting from a live meeting to virtual in 60 days, <laughs> which, which we did. Um, it wasn't always pretty, but uh, we, we made it. And I think it was a, a very, very good um, uh, event and good experience for, for all of us. But of course now, um, you know, we're trying to return to live, but I think virtual is here to stay. And so we're all trying to figure out now how to optimize sort of the hybrid model or the live plus streaming uh, model. Um, I would also say that um, during the pandemic, it brought home the importance of really finishing our uh, learning management system and really increasing our foothold on uh, our ability to deliver online education uh, uh, throughout the year on an ongoing basis. So I know that's a really long-winded answer um, to, to your question, uh, but I think these are the most critical things that you know I would summarize occurred over the last uh, twelve to fourteen months. That's great, Ken. I um, I think it's very insightful of you and, and um, how you led the team because I know regarding the staff because I know um, right now a lot of associations are having challenges with that that they reduce staff. Um, and now they're trying to manage things like hybrid. Well, you kind of almost need two sets of teams and extra bodies, and they don't have that um, human resource kind of bandwidth within their organization to do that now. So I think that was, um, you know, really great that that you focused on retaining the staff um, and uh, and making sure that they were they were good. Can you kind of tell me a little bit more about how you, you know, some specific things around what you did for the staff? Well, um, so uh, obviously we made sure that everybody was settled and supported uh, from a technologic standpoint uh, in terms of working remotely. Um, we really talked with all of our department directors and all of our teams about uh, setting some um, some principles as well as some boundaries around how often they should be meeting and communicating, how they stay in touch, how they stay uh, focused. Um, we increased all of our supervisors' attention and focus on deliverables, you know, objectives and goals, and, you know, really wanted everyone to focus on just stay productive, you know, mm -hmm. just really be focused on delivering what our members need stay productive, all the other stuff we normally do, you know, chatting and, you know, socialization, and it'll all come back. But, you know, we wanted to make sure that everybody was just really uh, sort of keeping their eyes on what was most important uh, uh, for, for the members. Um, we did have monthly all staff check-ins. And so that's another thing I think that was very important. Um, you know, uh, we've been through several waves of, 
you know, sort of uh, depression. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've been through lots of different stages together and just keeping everyone together, um, you know, relating on a human level, um, celebrating holidays, bringing people together, at least uh, virtually in the Brady Bunch screen and, you know, everybody could see each other. All of those things were, were really important. Um, and you know, now that we're starting to slowly navigate our way back um, to the office, um, you know, I, I think people will start to get, you know, a little bit back more uh, to, to normal. Uh, the sense I'm getting from the staff is everybody's really excited, you know, to come yeah. back and start to see each other in the hallways. Yeah. We had a meeting um, with another medical association yesterday with a few people, and it was like so exciting to see real people, <laughs> but not behind the screen in person. So um, anyway, so that that's great. So one of my questions is, you know, has the pandemic experience changed your thoughts about the future of the association industry? Well, you know, I think in, in some ways it's actually strength, strengthened the association community. Um, uh, I don't think we need any better example of the need for human connectivity and collaboration. Um, I think that being in isolation, you know, you, you don't know what you've lost till it's gone. <laughs> and so I think this really strengthened certainly my resolve. And I know amongst many of my colleagues that you know, the, these issues around engagement, these issues around connectivity, these issues around collaborating, sharing resources, doing something bigger, you know, together, um, I think are, are all playing to the strengths um, of associations. And so, you know, uh, at least in that way, I think the pandemic may be sharpening our focus and playing right to our strengths. Um, as, as organizations. Um, um, I think um, what really is the major change um, is the, the oncoming of the virtual component um, of what we do in terms of education. Um, I don't think there's any going back to, to live events um, with, without some type of virtual component or some type of enduring component going forward. We do not have this figured out. Uh, we're gonna have to experience this for the next year or two, really talk with our members about what their needs are, what they're willing to pay, how they want access to this information. But I really think, you know, this has brought on the dawn of the online education age. And if there were any associations that were on the bench or on the sideline, everybody's in the pool now. And so we all have to figure out the right mix, balance, pricing, uh, and models for the delivery of live and virtual education to optimally meet the needs um, of the members. Um, I think, you know, we also proved, you know, at least in my mind, in my staff and in my organization, the staff proved that it can function and achieve at a very high level in a 100% remote environment. Um, yes, the, the, it's not the same. Yes, you, you miss a lot of 
sort of hallway, uh, you know, sort of innovative sharing and creative problem solving that occurs when we're together. And it, it was not easy to replicate that in, in, and it is not easy in a Zoom environment. But all of that aside, um, you know, when I went into the pandemic, you know, I, I was a very big proponent of you need to be in the office mm -hmm. um, all the time. And uh, as an executive director, CEO, I've softened. Um, I've, I've really seen how productive the staff can be. And I think the right mix and blend now is, is going to be for us requiring everyone to circulate into the office, you know, a couple days a week, maybe three days a week. Um, for those that want to, they can do more. But um, to, to let people sort of attain the balance in their lives that works for them, because I'm convinced now that they can be productive, they, they can achieve. So, you know, for me, that was, that was a real learning event. Um, and uh, I couldn't be more pleased. Yeah, so Kendon, you know, with the work that, that I've done most of my career has been on digital strategy. And I've always told people we need to provide people with information how they want it. And especially as generations, you know, change and all those are, you know, need things differently um, and new generations want things differently. And so it's always been, I think, a real challenge for associations to provide content and information the way that a person wants it and that individualized experience. And now we're headed into, I think even, it's even a little more challenging because we'll always have people that are either the introverts or are just great. You know, I talk to people, they're like, well, I love just being able to go to a meeting or attend a meeting or do Zoom meetings. And then um, there's people that are like, I can't wait to get back to face-to-face -face meetings. Mm -hmm. So we've also, uh, we were able to adapt last year, but now we've set also at those expectations of, oh, you know, the organization can deliver in these different ways um, and or, as you said, kind of the enduring materials like, okay, well, I have something this week or I'm on vacation this week, so I want to get the content later. And I think everybody's really struggling with that. Like we all know we can do it, but like you said, what is that best model? Um, and I've seen organizations, they're either, they're trying to do hybrid or they're recording and then they're running the, the virtual meeting a couple of weeks later. Um, and like you said, pricing models. So I think we'll all be navigating this for the next uh, next at least year, 18 months, if not longer, to see you know what's going to stick and what's not. But um, it is actually, I think, you know, a positive and kind of some exciting times because, as you said, those that were on you know the sidelines have had to kind of jump in and and you know and try and be able to produce um, online I content. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think it's best to, to think about the next 12 to 18 months as we're all going to be doing a lot of piloting and testing and evolving um, of our organizations. And I don't think there's any going back. We're, we're going to need to sort of find how do we optimize the live event for the group of people that want it? How do we optimize the streaming 
you know, or, or the virtual components to those that want it. And, you know, by the way, you know, we had many, many hours of discussion, you know, within our organization, lamenting the fact that, you know, with vascular surgeons, um, not everyone can go to a live event because somebody's got to stay home and take care of sick people, you know, right. that, that needs surgery. And so we've often had conversations about what would be our strategy to reach them all every single year so that nobody's feeling disconnected, you know? And, you know, I think the answers are emerging now, you know? I mean, when we did our virtual uh, uh, annual meeting, we reached far more people all over the world than we would at a live event. And we need, right. we, we need to pilot and test and perfect these models and solutions. But I can certainly envision a day where, you know, for the SVS, where we have 6,500 members, 4,000 board certified vascular surgeons, every single one of them can be engaged with our annual meeting every single year. No one's going to feel left out. And so I think that's a very positive development once we figure out how to optimize it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what other challenges or disruptions do you think is on the horizon for us? Um, okay, so I think a couple things here are important. Um, uh, relevance uh, and visibility. I think for associations is going to be a growing challenge um, and maintaining our uniqueness uh, with so much competition from so many different corridors, you know, that we're, we're faced with. So now that we're in the soup of social media, now that we're in this sort of larger ocean, you know, there's education everywhere. There's value everywhere. There's, there's you know, people in the for-profit, non-profit world, all that want a piece of sort of people's attention in this, uh, in this broader soup um, that, that's been created. And so I think it's going to be a, a very important challenge for associations to brand themselves, to brand themselves effectively and maintain relevance, visibility, and really stress the uniqueness that only they can provide. Um, um, I think that um, social media itself has become an incredible challenge um, mm -hmm. for, for associations. Um, we're living through a live in the moment culture um, in the organization. Um, you have to be careful about everything you post, everything you say, virtually anything that you do takes on a life of its own, you know? And so I think another big challenge for us all is really developing social media strategies and management uh, practices that optimize the tool for good <laughs> rather, <Right>. than, <clears throat> rather than not good. And um, I think that's, that's a big challenge. And, and then I think the third one I would highlight is we've touched on a little bit is um, I think we're going to have to figure out what the new normal is at work, you know, at, at the office and, you know, uh, what those new work cycles are going to be like and 
what the support systems are going to be like. And um, it's, I, I don't think we're going to be back to normal for another 12 months or so, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and even then, I think our models are going to have to be more flexible in order to retain our staff and make sure people are maintaining the balance that they need. You mentioned uh, earlier, you know, I mean, one of the things the pandemic has done is it's pushed our work days, you know, from seven and a half hours to 15 hours. Yeah. I'm on calls at 6 a.m. I'm on calls at 7 a.m. I'm on calls at 8 p.m., 9 p.m. You know, it's it's uh, it's really sort of stretched the boundaries of, of how we work. So all of that is going to have to evolve and get normalized, you know, once we sort of uh, return our flow back to to a normal work. Yeah, I think it was, everyone was like, oh, this is great. We can roll out of bed and have our, <laughs> have our pajama <laughs> pants on and get to work. And that, um, that uh, has kind of worn off. I think, <laughs> I think I know that when I'm in the car now, it's like, oh, I've got 30 minutes of a, listening to my music or a podcast or something <laughs> being on a commute is almost refreshing with it, you know, we hated it a year ago. <laughs> yeah, there's been lots of stories of I rolled out of bed. I was on calls at 6 a.m. I didn't get a chance to even shower till 2 p.m. You know, yeah. I mean, our cycles and our routines are just all messed up, right? Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna have to sort of redesign <laughs> that yeah. going forward. Yeah, with my team, I actually I started looking at everybody's calendars, and I was like, guys, you because I kept hearing. Um, you know, we didn't have time for lunch. I'm like, schedule it in your calendar. Don't let somebody block your calendar just because you're sitting at your desk. Um, but yeah, I think, but you have to be very, especially in that remote environment, very diligent about that. And, or I started uh, actually scheduling meetings for 50 minutes instead of an hour. So we weren't going from hour to hour, but it's still, it's a, it's a challenge, an ongoing challenge. And, um, and as you're right, we've got to, you know, start to make some shifts here ourselves. Um, so what are, do you think are some opportunities that we should be really focusing on over the next several months? Um, that's a great question. So, you know, I think first and foremost, um, and I know this is a little bit maybe different or off the beaten path a little bit, but I really think um, the greatest opportunity that we all have right now is to invest significantly in the next generation of member leaders um, that, that are coming up. Um, every one of us have early career or, or younger members. They know what to do with a lot of the challenges <laughs> that, that we're facing. Mm -hmm. We need to put them in a position to influence our cultures, our organizations, our strategy development. We need to engage them more. And so I really feel like um, given the challenges that we're gonna be facing over the next couple of years, rather than struggle to have to relearn how to build the wheel of the future, I think we have to put more um, uh, confidence and, and more um, um, opportunity in the hands of our younger members to really help us 
um, shape the future. So that that's number one. I think this is like prime time to bring in your younger members and to talk about the future together. Um, number two, um, you know, what I would highlight is, uh, and I mentioned this before, um, we've all realized that um, you can do more with less, um, but but you can never do it optimally. And so um, I think we're entering an age where um, thinking much more strategically about collaborations across societies, across resources, across industries to solve some of our biggest problems um, is, is really ripe for evolution and optimization over the next three to five years. Um, you know, we're not going to be able to address diversity, equity, and inclusion. We're not going to be able to address in, in our field, you know, access to healthcare issues or population health uh, without really broad coalitions with lots of different organizations contributing intellect, resources, and coming together. And so um, I think we need to start to perfect get out of these siloed models and really start to perfect how to think about our, our biggest problems and challenges from a multi-association, multi-society um, perspective. And then lastly, um, you know, when you go through things like this, it forces you to rethink um, the, the way that you relate um, to a lot of your partners. Um, and we've been doing a lot of rethinking about what our relationship is with our industry, um, you know, sponsors and, and with other vendors and other groups that we partner with. And so rather than just approach those relationships, you know, from a marketing and promotion perspective or from a sponsorship perspective, we've really tried to turn the entire ball on its side and try to engage everyone that supports us in mission work um, mm -hmm. in, in the society. Um, always keeping an eye on, you know, the morals and ethics and not crossing any lines. And um, I've really been struck with um, having gone through this pandemic, this human tragedy um, together um, there are plenty of people in industry and in the vendors that we work with that share the same missions, that want to contribute in a positive way. And so we've really tried to be creative about creating new ways to engage them in really important work that makes a difference. Uh, and it really has invested them in, in our organization in ways they weren't before. And most importantly, great things are being done for patients and, and for physicians and for our members. So those would be the three biggest opportunities that I see on the horizon. Get your young members involved, start collaborating and sharing resources to solve big problems and look at partnership and sponsorship from new strategic angles. Yeah, that's great, Ken. I think it did kind of um, the pandemic gave us the opportunity to really start thinking differently, right? So, um, 
And I think these are some things that a lot of organizations are starting to rethink how they've um, done things in the past. So I appreciate, appreciate those, um, those points. So what do you think is the most important thing that leaders can do right now to position their organization for success? Um, you know, I think very simply, um, be present and visible um, for your members. Um, we're not out of this yet. Um, again, this is an opportunity for us to lead, to, to be present, to be very much visible to our members, um, to listen. Um, we need to have the strength to adapt and evolve now. You know, I mean, there's there's no <laughs> going back to the way things were. We have to adapt and evolve if we're going to survive. And so I think, I think we have to really uh, be comfortable with change and understand it's sometimes messy. It's sometimes not perfect, uh, but there's no way there's no way forward without evolving and going through change and change process. Um, uh, I would say to reallocate resources to, to the new horizons of the future. Um, as we went through our budgeting process this year, we did a lot of this. You know, We started thinking about moving resources from traditional, you know, historical uh, legacy, programs to where we think the future is going uh, in order to start to build capacity and infrastructure. And so nothing gets done without resources. So you have to align your priorities and your resources to actually move the needle. So um, I think that's going to be very important. And then I, as I emphasized earlier, hang on to your talent. Um, mm -hmm. there's, there's nothing more important um, so do everything that you can to, to really hold on to the talent that you have. Those are some great thoughts, Ken. So lastly, my last question for you today is, um, you know, do you see association business models changing? Um, I, I think they've changed. Uh, so now we have to figure out how to optimize them. And mm -hmm. so I, I think we're in an era of all, all associations are going to have to offer more choices. Um, we're going to have to offer members more choices on how they engage, how they receive information, uh, the way that they, they want to, the way they desire it, as you mentioned um, earlier. Um, as I mentioned, I, I think we have much more competition. So we have to become much more focused and really understand what can we provide that nobody else can and just really you know, be the best at that. Um, we need to make our members you know, have that FOMO feeling, you know, the, mm -hmm. fear, the fear of missing out, that if, if you're not here, you're really missing something you know, very, very important in your career development. Um, uh, more collaborations, as I said, to share and stretch resources. Um, none of us have enough resources to do what we need to do. But if we combine forces, we, we probably do. Um, and so I think that's, that's really important. And, you know, lastly, um, just like our, our models have to evolve, um, I, I think that we, we really have to evolve our thinking about innovative program uh, opportunities 
uh, and to get out of our comfort zone and, and sort of work in areas that you know, we've never worked in before. Um, I'll give you one good example that you know, we um, had the opportunity to start uh, working on a supervised exercise therapy app um, you know, in term, terms of the consumer uh, education market. Um, when, when people have uh, restrictions in their blood vessels, in their, in their legs, they often, uh, this is mostly for the elderly population, they have leg pain, you know, and they can't walk and they can't do a lot of their uh, daily living functions. And, um, you know, rather than uh, jump right to doing surgical procedures to try to open up veins and arteries, you know, what evidence shows and what research shows is that before you do anything, we need to get these folks walking and, and just see if we can, you know, have exercise, open up new blood flow. Um, uh, and you could avoid, you know, any of these other procedures. And so a lot of people don't have access to care. And so we created a phone app uh, that can be prescribed by physicians for their patients where they can do a 12 week uh, course of supervised exercise therapy with coaching, um, just, wow. like, just like Peloton. And we've, we've been um, piloting this. I mean, this is not something that, you know, a medical society, right, would, would normally do, but we've been having fun partnering with a little bit uh, with Apple, a little bit with other IT experts and how to develop this. Um, some really creative, innovative minds. We've been through two pilot phases of this now, many hundreds of patients that have been through this. And it looks very, very promising, you know, as, as a wide scale population health solution uh, to get elderly folks who are having these symptoms walking first before they have to undergo any kind of procedure. So, you know, th these are the kinds of things that um, I would encourage all of your listeners, you know, don't just, you know, put these ideas to the side and say, nope, that's not us. That's not our traditional role. What, do, what are we doing in consumer healthcare? That's Apple, you know, that's Google. No, it doesn't have to be. Um, I think, you know, we need to be in this game and we need to be innovative and creative about, you know, how we approach what we're doing. That's great, Ken. That's really exciting. That uh, sounds like a, a great, a great product, and um, and I can't wait for you guys to um, to be able to launch that and, and see that come truly to fruition. It's, it's really exciting. I would like to just talk to you about one other program. Um, oh, sure, of course. Just, which I just think is, again, it's a, it's a good model. Um, uh, you know, we noticed about three years ago um, that, and there was a lot being written about the degree of uh, wellness challenges and burnout amongst uh, physicians. And of course the pandemic um, didn't help this uh, at all. Um, if, if physicians and surgeons were burnt out before the pandemic, uh, they're burnt to a crisp right now um, com coming out of the pandemic. But um, this is another good example 
of you know what's the role of uh, associations or societies in really addressing member needs um, on on something like this. And so uh, we created a task force to do the research with our members to really find the trigger points of what seems to be burning them out. Um, and many of the things, of course, are advocacy policy things that we can work on, but we don't control, you know, like EMRs and pre-authorization, <laughs> the, the things that, that are burning them out. But when we asked our members, what specifically do you want the society to do for you to help you with wellness and burnout? What they said is, can I just have someone to talk to who, who, under, who understands and cares? And so that, that notion led to the development, I think, of the first in the country, maybe first in the world, um, medical society that has developed a customized wellness coaching program um, for its members. And so we selected 18 of our vascular surgeons and uh, raised the funds to put them through an extensive certified coaching program so that they're becoming certified mm -hmm. surgical coaches. And then we're making their services available to our membership so, so that we'll have a pool of trained certified vascular surgeons who can do wellness and surgical coaching uh, and take on members who need someone to talk to who understands and cares and uh, what, what they're going through. And so this is just another example of, you know, opportunity knocking, um, really asking members what their, what their needs are and what they're looking for and being able to deliver, you know, a, a solution for them. So we're launching this program in the fall and I'll be happy to follow up with you on, on how it goes. But this is, this is really another example of how you not only address their clinical needs, but you can also address their career and even their personal wellness needs as a society. That's amazing, Ken. That's, that'll be um, a great program for your members. And um, I think it is obviously very much needed um, today. As you said, it was needed before, but even now they've got so much pressure and stress and, and everything else that has happened um, over the last 18 or year, 18 months. Um, and uh, that's fantastic. So I would definitely want to hear how that goes. And um, we'd love to follow up with you in the fall. Terrific. Well, thank so. you. Really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you as always. It's always delightful. And, you know, call me anytime. Thanks so much, Ken. We really appreciate your time um, and all of your insights and hope we can talk again soon. Terrific. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered tips and information that will add value to your leadership style and your association. .org Source specializes in positioning teams for success with solutions for technology, strategy, and marketing. Please contact us at info at orgsource.com to find out how to get your organization on track to Association 4.0. You can also engage in other educational content by becoming a member 
of .org community or reading our books on Association 4.0, which you can find on Amazon. We look forward to hearing from you soon.